My name is Johnny Ball, and I'm the founder of Campaign Force, a not-for-profit that inspires, trains, and coaches the armed forces community to stand up and serve again. I've served on the front line of military operations and in civilian life, the front line of UK politics. This Veterans in Politics podcast is a set of interviews brought to you by Campaign Force and sets out to explore how the military community can help make our politics a better place. I lean into my little black book of contacts and sit down with individuals from across the world of politics, sharing secrets, giving tips and advice and inspiring the next generation. We are Campaign Force. This is the Veterans in Politics podcast. Let's introduce you to our guest. This podcast series was recorded over Zoom during the lockdown period. This was part of an exclusive event laid on for veterans and serving personnel. We'd like to thank our guests for allowing us to release part of this conversation for you in podcast format. This episode's Veteran in Politics is former RAF officer Darren Henry MP. After a military career spanning 26 years, Darren is just one of a handful of RAF veterans in the House of Commons. He famously got elected following the Battle of Broxtow, defeating incumbent MP Anna Subri. Darren has truly broken the mould, coming from a Windrush generation family that had no connections with either the RAF nor politics. As a new MP, Darren mentions his desire to stand up and serve again in his maiden speech. Do look it up and reveals in this episode his motivation for serving his community. For him, that started with a litter campaign. It's time for you to listen to the conversation. Darren, delighted to uh, to see you on the call today. And thank you so much on behalf of all the veterans, reservists and armed forces community uh, for agreeing to do this. Uh, we first met, I think, last year at Conservative Party Conference, literally, I think, in, in a corridor, um, and I was really chuffed to see you um, and Caroline support uh, the fringe event that we hosted at Conservative Party Conference, which was a first for Campaign Force, having exhibited the week before at Labour Party Conference. Um, and to see you at the back of the room, I'd obviously read up on you, seen you come into the political scene, um, was quite excited to see uh, another uh, an RAF officer um, in the mix, obviously traditionally dominated by um, army um, in terms of, of politics and parliament. So you caught my eye uh, and you walked in the room and I think I even put you on the spot um, and brought you out the front, didn't I, in the fringe event to uh, yeah. share the experience uh, which you relished. And that was when you were a candidate, of course. Um, so, so much has happened uh, since then. So how are you today, Darren? What have you been up to? Very well indeed, just coping with this heat. I'm in lockdown here in Nottingham. Uh, so my seat is Broxtow in, in Nottingham. So that's what I'm, what I'm doing here. Um, so just about me, really, uh, the key thing I've noticed is uh, quite a few of my colleagues who, uh, you know, have dreamed about being a politician, an MP, um, since sixth form, you know, and uh, that was not me at all. I'm not a career politician. Um, my parents, there was nobody in the family who was into the military. Uh, Mum and dad were Windrush generation. And actually they were, they, they met in Bedford, which is where I grew up. My dad worked for Vauxhall Motors, where they made Bedford trucks. And he was working everybody's night shift. And my mum 
as well, working two to 10 shifts, passing night shifts in the night. And it was all about just working hard to try and get on in life. And uh, so I was, I was eager to get into work and found the Royal Air Force, but I was, I was an airman. I started uh, at the bottom uh, in 1987. I did 26 years in the Royal Air Force. Amazing. And uh, so I started in 1987 with a nice big afro. <laughs> so that soon went. But now in lockdown, I'm working hard on it again. <laughs> um, but uh, so, you know, I found logistics uh, eventually. I did a brief air traffic briefly and uh, rose through the, the ranks really through hard work which is something that was instilled in me from my my parents so you know never intended to be a politician but having left I really do think the real world experience yeah. helps an awful lot gives you perspective in in times like quite a tough week that we've had um you know, you can think about slowing down because you've come across situations like this before, maybe, and you can draw on that. And uh, it's, it's, it's quite useful. So, so far, I found, you know, my background quite useful. Um, but I'm still finding my way around Parliament because, uh, you know, I don't know what all the different things are. <laughs> uh, well, you, you guys in that kind of, I think, 108 of um, new Conservative politicians. Yeah. Or was it 109? I think, yeah, the 109. Um, yeah. You've had a, a baptism of fire alongside um, other new MPs from other parties. And I have to say, um, from where we're sat, we've been quite impressed by the new intake of members of parliament and how you've reacted in sh- such a short period of time. Um, and of course, your constituency, Broxtow, includes Chilwell, which those of us in the reserve forces will know oh, yeah. and love um well we'll uh, remember fondly and uh, not so fondly from mobilization process um so yeah deep rooted the armed forces in your constituency so you're certainly a good fit for, for your patch but um darren um i mean considering your lengthy career uh, from you know the mid 80s and that long list of service that you've um, just spoken about why politics <laughs> Yeah, no, that's an interesting one as well, because, um, like I say, I initially started off as an air trafficker um, and then went on to uh, join logistics and because I found that was something that I could I could really do well. Um, so as an airman, you start off as, a, start off as an airman anyway. I just went into it because I thought, well, they got really nice uniform, really smart, and they're going to train me. I, I like it. I'm in. And uh, what would you like to do? Um, well, I was thinking about joining the police force. So police. Uh, no, we haven't got police. Uh, okay, firemen. Um, well, your chest is too small. Uh, this is the RAF Careers Information Office, by the way, 1987 in, in, in Bedford. Amazing. Of um, course, I know now this is probably utter nonsense, but... Um, so did a few tests and they said, have you considered air traffic? Because obviously there were some openings there. And that's how I ended up in air traffic. But by the time I'd sort of looked around and wanted to move up, I then went and spoke to all the different officers, what I was interested in, and really found out what they did. So I did my homework. Yeah. Um, and then uh, joined what was then called the supply branch. So I found what I was good at, I felt. And I rose through and did that 
And, you know, you've been in the military, so you know all sorts of different things that logistics officers do. But um, there was one tour that I had, and it was um, at, a, at a big RAF base uh, called uh, RAF Marham yep. in Norfolk. And I was the community support officer rather than – so it had a bit of the tacton catering and, you know, had – you know, the messes, the family's quarters, family's welfare, um, the community covenant, which I part drafted that was signed with Norfolk County Council. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, that's all about, you know, making sure that military people are, you know, looked after in the civilian community. Yep. Um, and in fact, I remember we just had the Libya operations um, while I was there, air operations over Libya. And uh, so we did all come back and the, the Queen came to visit. She's on the air Commodore there. Um, you know, and I was saying to her, I got the opportunity to say to her, that it's really important what I'm doing because we want to make sure that the people who are on mission are concentrating on that, not worried about their families back at home. Okay. I've got a real purpose here. And it was a bit of a cross between MP and social worker. Yep. I was on the local parish council. I've never been on a parish council before. And, uh, you know, and sort of got into that. And lo- local MP was Liz Trust, by the way. Um, I absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved it. It was my favourite tour. <laughs> so, wow. Uh, whilst, you know, my CV says a lot about logistics, uh, actually, I thought I really liked it. So anyway, when I left uh, in 2013, uh, what I did actually was... Uh, I've got a logistics background. I've got to apply for logistics type jobs. Um, I worked for Carillion who built Great Western Hospital and then they were running it at services. So it's project management that I'd done in the military. And um, then um, kind of got headhunted for uh, a food distribution company using my logistics experience. I was a general manager down there at this um, company providing food to uh, hotels on the south coast. You know, wagons roll at four in the morning, all that sort of stuff. But I did that for a while and just thought to myself, actually, I'm not a businessman. I mean, yeah, they employed me because of my background in logistics. Mm. What I really like is public service. That is what I'm driven by. And uh, I just thought, actually, I've actually got the opportunity of a second career. I've got the opportunity of a second career. Do I do it? You know? The kids had got to a stage where, you know, a bit of self-sufficiency. Um, I just, the opportunity was potentially there. Um, I took a leap of faith, of course, but I decided to to do it. And so, and that's when I, you know, started on a journey of trying to be, you know, a politician. That sounds to me that almost through service, that the seed had been sown, um, just from a standard post, it's almost caught you by surprise, I guess. But what that can, that constant sense of service within your DNA, that kind of alchemy of, I guess, circumstance and fortune of a posting, yeah. combined with that DNA of service, then grew into something bigger, which is um, yeah. which is refreshing to hear because, like you say, you haven't dreamt of this since the sixth form, like many yeah. many of your colleagues, and I think that's what people want these days in our politicians. So you have that sense of service, um, completely get that. And we'll all resonate with that. 
But then you had a deeply political battle on your hands. Yeah. Uh, I believe you, you termed the Battle of Bropstow. Yeah, that's right. Against a formidable opponent in Anna Subri, who I, I used to work for loosely when she was a minister at the MOD. Um, but, you know, we've, we've seen her play, played out, her persona during that, the B word um, debate. So you, a really high profile campaign as well. All eyes on Darren Henry. Um, tell us about that and how, how was that experience? Well, yeah, that's quite interesting because I got uh, selected on uh, 16th of September. And, uh, and of course, you know, things were hotting up. We didn't know for sure there was going to be a general election, but, you know, the signs were there. Um, we need to get ourselves organised. And, of course, up here, there's no money, there's no campaign manager, no activists to speak of. And, you know, Anna Subri had taken, who was my predecessor, had taken, you know, some of her contacts and some were disaffected and all the rest of it. Um, so to be honest, I just thought, you know, I need to be on a mission here. I need to be on a mission. This is going to be a battle. <laughs> There's a battle of rocks that was formed. But, you know, at that time, I suppose I was fortunate that it was the conference season. So end of September, well, I went up to Manchester, which is where I met you. Yep, you're a busy boy. But that was, while I was busy, I had a sense of purpose for what needed to be achieved. This was my chance. I could see that. All this time, you know, am I going to do everything I possibly can to try and make sure that um, I give myself the best chance? And, um, you know, meeting people like you was, was great because, you know, I met you. You put me in contact with somebody else because I needed a fighting fund. I needed a fighting. There was no money in the in the association, so um, you really helped me enormously there. So thank you very much for that. But I needed activists as well. I needed to make contacts, and so I was, you know, going, I mean, there were long days, but I went to every person that I could possibly go to, big names, MPs, you know. Tell them who I am. Tell them who I was fighting against, what I was trying to achieve. Will you come down and support me? Because with them, they would bring the activists along because a big name was coming. So that was my plan. And so I did a lot of that. So I met all the names there. And uh, I remember I'd, I'd uh, made a, a relationship because I was um, a campaigner in the past for, the, for, for my party. And um, we were keen to get young conservatives on board. So I bumped into this young conservative that I that I'd known from before, and he said, "Oh, you need to go to the stand, you know, for the young conservative." So I went there, and I thought, "Yeah, young legs, yeah, I like the idea of this." So what's going to happen here? And actually, you know, you you mentioned young Anna Subri, but what Anna Subri did for me was that um, she she had very strong views, should we say, and was yeah. well known for them, yeah. and uh, so. I used that as a rallying cry. So I said, uh, I said, right, well, I'm in Brockstow. I'm taking over from Anna Subri and I need to, you know, win the seat. Who's with me? <laughs> and it was Anna Subri. We're going to get, and the, and, the, and the irony is that Anna Subri was not the threat. Yeah. Um, because she had uh, won in the last election by 863 votes to the chap that was up against me. Um, so it's a tiny, tiny majority. Um, and they were very, very strong 
for Labour. I mean, I know I don't want to make it all about politics, but I, just to give you my experience, don't mind which party mm. you're in, you know, I don't, I I don't mean to, to make I that point, but it's my experience. Yeah, I think what from that, I think what we can take is that you, you turned a perceived disadvantage and obviously the incumbency factor does assist an MP. I think the, st- the stats are around about 2% um, in terms of adding to favourability for a, an incumbent MP. And then yeah. a, a woman actually does add another percentage point. So I, I like what you did there in terms of a perceived uh, high profile disadvantage and turn that into an advantage by, you know, just getting around networking, meeting people, which is, yeah. which is really, really cool to see. And I think all of us can learn from that. If you're in what may seem like a sticky situation and, and, and here you are now, you know, as a, as a member of parliament, um, but you were, you've been a councillor before. Um, you yeah. stood um, in another parliamentary seat. You stood and um, went for other selections. So you faced disappointment, loss. Um, but so, what was different this time in your success, in in terms of getting selected? Well, uh, you know, uh, I, again, it, it just really comes down to you know just just hard work. Um, you know. You don't just sort of arrive at this at this point um, just by sheer luck alone. Um, so working hard, doing the groundwork. Um, don't forget that I didn't intend necessarily to become a member of parliament, even even then. Um, I just thought I like the idea of of working for the community. Now I'm a very strong believer in a community, and and that's why. You know, I started to where I where I ended up living because my last tour was Boscombe Down in Wiltshire. So moving around every two years is, you know, I'm sure you're familiar with. Um, that's where I ended up, and uh, so in that community, it's, it's actually the nearest village to Stonehenge, and we're, we're right next to Lark Hill. That's the the next town, which <laughs> I'm sure you'll be familiar with. Um, what's going on there? Um, Any gunners in the chat today? Uh, yeah, are they? Yeah. So um, now I got on really well with uh, with the locals, so to speak, from the uh, you know from the army there. Um, it was brilliant. Um, and, well, it is. I mean, it's Salisbury Plain. I mean, I think something like I think something like a quarter or a third of the British Army will be in Wiltshire eventually when they all come back. <laughs> so I'm amongst like-minded people for one thing, which is which was really nice about being there. Um, but anyway, so. But now in a house now, in a community, I'm affected by the things everybody else in the community is affected by. Um, I went out litter picking in the community. Um, I'm interested in doing something, you know. In fact, my mum was horrified. My mum said, litter picking, you know, as though, is this what it's come to? Um, but no, I felt that was, you know, something I could do, do in the community. There's an older community down there. And, you know, a, a bit of liveliness down there would, would, would be quite good. Um, so I went to be try and be a councillor. It's a unitary council down there. So it's, it's, it's borough and it's uh, county combined. Um, and they have divisions there. And the, uh, I don't want to be political, but, you know, the person I was up against, potentially, because I did get selected uh, for Conservatives, was a Lib Dem who'd been there 26, he'd been a, uh, a councillor for 35 years and he'd been in that division for 26 years. Blimey. So 
what did he do? Well, he went around gradually over 26 years and he knew everybody and everybody knew him and he had his cups of teas and everything around people's houses and all that sort of thing. And then me as a young whippersnapper came in and just went everywhere. You cannot replace just going on the doorstep. 100%. There is, there is no replacement for just hard work. I actually enjoy it on the doorstep, I must admit, but going out there and getting yourself known um you know talking to people um you know what sorts of things are they really interested in what would they like to get changed what would they like to get done and guess what we like to do in the military we like to get things done yeah so it was a challenge it's great to go out and actually you get you know in politics and i've no idea how long you've all been involved in politics yourselves if at all but um you just um you just you just you just find yourself um, um, just having to um, re- rely on um, being on the doorstep, having a relationship, building that relationship. Um, it's a bit like, um, you know, you have to hunt for something, but you go away and then um, you'll come back, you'll get some knockbacks where people are a little bit disappointed with you. You can't achieve everything, but most things people are satisfied because you can achieve it. And there's actually something really good in that, that satisfaction of actually being managing to be able to achieve something. And that just spurred me on. So I became a, uh, well, I, I was on the doorstep all the time. It was, a, it was a shock result because I had the highest turnout in Wiltshire um, because people knew me. I'd spent a very quick time trying to, to, to get to know everyone. Um, and then just got into local government, which, uh, you know, I thoroughly enjoyed. and. In that time, I'd become an activist as well. So I joined the Conservative Party, um, you know, made it sort of known I was interested in being on the list and all that sort of thing. Um, And I'd actually fought an unwinnable seat, parliamentary seat. Um, But one of the things that I didn't have was the experience of, you know, being a councillor and actually being out there, um, having to work and sort of, you know, get results for people. So... You know, I think that was invaluable, just being a councillor and local government. I can't, you know, speak highly enough of it. And, you know, I beat him and, and you know, I got in. There's, there's something in at the start of that, um, when you were talking about the litter thing, and it yeah. might seem trivial, and you said your mum was like horrified, what are you doing out there picking litter? I'm actually facing a similar thing right here in my community at the moment. I'm starting a litter campaign, right? And I'm, it, yeah. it, really, it really winds me up because I go out walking with my dog, but this also links to a conversation I had with someone yesterday via Zoom who's interested in politics, brand new, has no idea, not a member of a political party. And I think he got himself kind of wrapped a little bit around the axles about the whole party political thing. I was like, forget that. Starting point, give a shit about something you know, locally. There must be something local that really winds you up. And I've had a couple of issues here that I haven't involved my political connections with. I've just got shit done through... Yeah you know from our background in the armed forces that the minerals about us to be able to grip an issue and go out and sort it and that's what i'm doing and if if you're passionate about that thing that's a really good starting point so i'm glad you brought that up the litter picking because it might seem small and trivial but actually it's a demonstration of how much you care about your community 
um, yeah. rather than being motivated, say, by career. So that, that's amazing. Um, I'll give you the five pound note for bringing that one up later later on. Yeah. Um, and one thing I am quite interested in, obviously in Wiltshire, it was quite natural given the percentage of military in that community. But yeah. in terms of your political narrative and how you talk about being a veteran, I mean, given your lengthy service too, um, I quite like it that you talk about that. And I think you were even in the Conservative Party manifesto um, in terms of the, sort of the Armed Forces Covenant military section. You were the poster boy for that. Uh, and it was great to see. But how have you reconciled that in terms of your narrative when talking to people, you know, how much you dial it up or dial it down you know, on the doorstep or in the chamber? How, how have you navigated that? Because I'm really interested to hear that idea um, of a veteran, as it were, in your service. Yeah, no, I, to be honest, I think I, I, I hid it under a bushel. I, you know, it wasn't the first thing I'll tell people, you know, I'll just go in there and um, just talk to people, find, listen, actually. Actually, that's, that's probably a good thing actually to do is to, you know, think about coaching and listening to people and then going away and trying to solve their problems rather than instructing. <laughs> but, um, you know, I just, well, I'm in the military, you know, I do that. It's, it's a job. It's a, well, it's a way of life, but I mean, it's uh Everybody's like this, you know. I didn't really understand until I came out and other people observed me, um, you know, that you are a little bit different. You're made a little bit differently. And I'm sure if anybody on this Zoom chat, if, uh, you know, I said, okay, what are your highest held couple of values? Then on a, in a hand, you know, you'd all come up with something, but there'd only be about a handful of themes on it. Loyalty and integrity probably in there. Um, So we share that and people know that about us and can trust us. And, well, you did mention that Chetwind is in my constituency, of course, so there are military people here. Um, But I just think uh, we get things done. People trust us. um, Loyalty and integrity. And, of course, I wasn't thinking that when I was you know, approaching people, I was just, you know, approaching them in my usual way. Yeah. Um, so I was kind of told, you know, you need to make more of this. Yeah. Until I ended up plastering it all over my CV and everything. So it didn't come naturally. That's the truth. I think you've got the balance quite right, actually, Darren. Um, from what yeah. I've seen, is it in a very short period of time, I think you've used it, you've dialed it up and dialed it down where necessary in order, you know, you've been quite smart with it. Um, so those um, that are interested in some people might be struggling with their military narrative because it might be security reasons. It might be because it doesn't necessarily come naturally, uh, but certainly no matter what party you're in to, to an extent, it will serve as an advantage, mostly because your values of who you are, because you know, they're lived values, but also there'll be those situations when there's no cameras when it, you're not in the chamber, where you're literally sat down listening to someone and the fact that they do trust you because they know about your military ba- background, I think that's really the most important part where it can become a strength. And it sounds like that's what's happened to you. <laughs> yeah. So, well, you, you know, you're, you're, you're a member of parliament. And um, in terms of... Obviously, we do have people from the armed force community. That's what we're about at Campaign Force um, and on the on the call. Um, 
would you say have people from the armed forces community approached you um maybe they've asked you about what we've just discussed around the narrative um or ask you for general pieces of advice what what would those pieces of advice be that you might have given to aspiring councillors or aspiring members of parliament uh you know don't just estimate um you know the real world experience that you've got because you know we go all over the place and we have to learn really quickly uh you know and then we have to sort of get ready you know to to do well there and then wind down and wind up again for the next thing um so those those things are, are are in you really and uh that just helps to get things done um and uh, we had a saying in the in the RAF it's not just um, what you do it's what you have been seen to have done as well yeah um so you, you do need to use that because the public need to know that you're doing doing that work for them so don't hide under a, a, a bushel, which was my natural inclination. Um, but, um, you know, uh, use that real world experience and just, uh, you know, don't change. Just, you know, get things done. Don't expect if you've had a rank and, you know, as, as they, are, uh, they are here, um, you know, people are just going to jump when you speak. It doesn't work like that. You know, you need to win people over with the, you know, persuasive arguments and all those things. I mean, I'm not trying to teach you to suck eggs, but, um, you know, I just found it really strange that when I left, I thought, oh, well, you know, I'm not going to just be issued a military person everywhere I go. And if they happen to notice the standing and that sort of thing. I thought it was funny. I went, I've only been to two conferences, and one of the conferences was the one at Manchester I mentioned. And one I left in 2013, so the first conference I was in 2014 in Birmingham. And um, obviously I was ex-military and I saw Bob Stewart in a, in one of the lectures, Colonel Bob. He's cropped up a few times in these conversations. Yeah. And uh, I thought, so obviously I made a beeline for him and I said, oh, you know, what's it like and all the rest of it. And I just noticed that, and, and his usual, you know, really, really nice guy. He was really, really friendly. And I just thought, oh, that's great, you know. Uh, but on his badge, you know, everybody's got the conservative badge on. His says Colonel Bob. <laughs> so uh, you know, <laughs> you know, don't don't uh, lose it, use it. Yeah, oh, I like that. <laughs> and do you know what? Um, exactly what? From my experience of working at yeah. the MOD with employers, um, a lot of that re- reconciliation around rank and experience within um, business that's a common problem there. It's not just within politics. And, but the important thing that you said there is about underselling yourself because we need to talk up our values and our skills and not hide them under a bushel as, as you've just described. And that is, is a common trait within the kind of humility of, of the armed forces uh, community, but um, no sage advice. Thanks to our guests. And thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, hit subscribe now. Alternatively, you can support our mission by checking out in the show notes below where you can rate, donate or become our mate. Thank you.